Hi, this is Sarah McCaslin with the Forgotten Sheep Podcast. And in this podcast, we're going to be talking about a missionary named Henrietta Hall Shook. Now, it's said that in some uh, Southern Baptist churches, her fame and uh, adoration is second only to Lottie Moon. She was a Baptist missionary to China who headed overseas with her new husband when she was barely 18 years old. She was also the first American female missionary sent to China, the first Western woman to ever live in Hong Kong, and she's also credited with being the first missionary to start schools for kids in China, especially schools that included females. And probably the most important description of Henrietta is the fact that she was a young woman who dearly, dearly loved God. So let's talk about Henrietta's earliest years. She was born on October 28, 1817 in Kilmarnock, Virginia. And if I mispronounce the name of that city, I am truly sorry. But uh, So she was from Virginia. Her father was Colonel Addison Hall. He was a lawyer, a politician, and later a Baptist pastor. And her mother was Susan Edmonds Hall and had a reputation for being a very devout Christian. Now, Henrietta was raised in the atmosphere of a very dedicated Christian home. And one thing that I think kind of stands out as we look at Henrietta's story is the fact that she absolutely loved her dad. I think she was probably what you might call a daddy's girl. And one of the things that was pointed out by her biographers is that she worked very hard in school and she did extremely well. And many suspect she did this to please her dad. So what we see so far is a hardworking young lady raised in a Christian home. Now she did attend boarding school in Fredericksburg. And one of the teachers there was trying to help the students to think about their future, help them to think about what kind of an impact that their life could have. And so this particular teacher asked her class, where will you be in a hundred years hence? Now we know that people don't often live to be over 100. So I think again that she was trying to get them to think about the impact that their life could have. And this question really struck Henrietta, really got her to thinking she was 13 years old at the time. And even though she was raised in a Christian home, she was raised in church, her dad eventually became a Baptist pastor, she hadn't given much thought to salvation. And this is a good reminder, too, for us to realize that even though we may have been uh, raised in church, our parents may have taken us to every church activity there was, raised in a Christian home, exposed constantly to things like Bible and sermons, and Christian materials that doesn't automatically mean that we're saved. And the parents also need to remember that. We need to remember to encourage young people to establish their own relationship with the Lord. So at 13, Henrietta had been thinking about this, and she heads home to where a revival meeting is being held. And at that revival meeting, she gives her heart to the Lord. She establishes her own personal relationship with Jesus Christ and became one of the revival's first converts during that uh, set of meetings. 
and then Henrietta was baptized at the age of 14. Now, the sad thing is that Henrietta's mother passed just three months after she became a Christian, after Henrietta became a Christian. And I cannot imagine how utterly heartbreaking it is to lose your mother at that young an age and the kind of impact that it can have on your life, the kind of impact that it can have on decisions that you make as you get older. Now, before her dad remarried, the responsibility of her brothers and sisters fell on Henrietta, and I think it's probably like uh, one of my uh, friends has described these situations before with Henrietta became Mom 2.0 as far as her brothers and sisters and work and things around the house. Now, her dad did remarry. Um, the problem with that is Henrietta's new stepfather wasn't much older than her. So I imagine there's a lot of frustration and emotion that comes with that. So understanding her background, understanding that kind of heartache and her attachment to her dad kind of will help us as we view uh, Henrietta's life. So after her mother's death, that's when her dad began to study for the ministry and would eventually become a Baptist pastor. Uh, the family was relocated, still in Virginia, but this time to Richmond, Virginia. And there Henrietta became extremely active in church and was a very good Sunday school teacher, I believe, at the First Baptist Church there in uh, Richmond. And it was also in Richmond that she encountered the Reverend Jeff, and again, I apologize, I know I'm going to mispronounce this, Jehu Lewis Shook, the man that was destined to be her husband. So that was in Virginia. After being born again, Henrietta had a very strong burden for the lost. So, what does it mean when we say someone has a burden for the lost? It means that we feel concern. It means that we pray on their behalf before the Lord. It means that we seek positive ways that we can influence them towards the Lord. Okay. Um, so, starts off with strong burden for the lost, and then she began to feel a call to the mission field. And this happened as she was reading about missionaries. And this is another reason why for many years it was so important that missionaries would write about their experiences, that they would write stories for missionary publications, because this helped the Lord reach other people to call them to missions. It was a tool to bring other people into the mission field. It was a tool that the Lord used. Also, it helps to stir Christians, uh, to stir up our faith, to encourage us as we see how the Lord has come through for others in other times. And it helps us understand how to best pray. Pray for the missionaries, pray for their work, pray for those that they're trying to reach. Now, because of the missionary literature she had been exposed to uh, most of her life, Henrietta's main interest was in India. So apparently that's where most of the missionary work that she had encountered there in Virginia was related to India. The Lord, however, he had other plans. So she clearly felt the call to missions at the age of 16 and answered the Lord affirmatively that she was willing to go to the mission field. 
Now, Henrietta was known for being extremely passionate about anything she became involved in, and missions was no exception. And soon, both her interests and her piety came to the attention of the Reverend Louis Shook, who was only about three years her senior. And he had been accepted to the mission field in China and was looking for a wife. Okay. So Louis finally worked up his courage to ask Henrietta's father for her hand in marriage. But he also was communicating a lot with Henrietta. And before she agreed to marry him, he wanted to make sure that she understood very clearly what was awaiting them in China. This was no romantic fairy tale marriage that he was offering to Henrietta. He made it clear the poverty, the danger, the uh, cultural clashes, all of these things that she might be out there in the mission field sick and there would be no doctors that they could go to. It very could cost their lives as they went into the mission field. And I like this about Lewis. I like that he was very open with her about what was awaiting them. I really do like that. And also, I like Henrietta's reaction. She didn't just quickly say, oh, yes, I'll go. She prayed, began to seek the Lord in prayer. And I also think this is neat. She began to seek the counsel and advice of other more mature Christians. Okay. Number one, she didn't jump into it. Number two, she prayed and sought the Lord. And number three, she got advice. There's a scripture, I believe, in Proverbs that says, In the multitude of counselors, there wanteth not wisdom. And there are times in our life when we have major decisions to make, and it's okay to talk to other people. It's okay to seek their advice. It's recommended. And if I could digress for just a moment from Henrietta's story, uh, my dad was having severe hemorrhaging from his sinuses. This was not a nosebleed. This was bordering on life-threatening hemorrhaging. The doctor that mom and dad were going to was uh, in Dallas near DeSoto, Texas. Mom was concerned that this was not, this doctor was not handling things correctly. So mom got him an appointment with a doctor in North Dallas uh, in a uh I guess you, uh, where there were more, uh, possibly more qualified doctors, okay? And she got a second opinion on dad's situation and his condition. And this doctor had a different, uh, you might say more modern approach to dealing with this. And dad eventually recovered and stopped having these dangerous uh, sinus hemorrhages. And mom, the reason mom did that is she was praying and seeking the Lord about what to do. And as she was reading her Bible, that scripture stood out to her in the multitude of counselors, there wanteth not wisdom. And so that's why mom decided it was good to get a second opinion. So that's what we see Henrietta doing here. She knows she's called of the Lord to mission. She knows that. Apparently she has fond feelings for Reverend uh, Lewis Shuck, but she is seeking a second opinion. Okay. Now her dad was utterly, absolutely horrified. I doubt if that's even a strong enough word for her dad's reaction. Now you've got to realize though, why he had this reaction. People may be Christian parents, but they're still parents. They can still be very protective of their children. They can still want a better life for their children. And he knew also what she would be facing as a missionary in China. That was not the life that he wanted for his daughter. 
It's not that he didn't want her to serve the Lord. It's not that he didn't want her to marry Lewis. It was this whole missionary thing for him. It was the danger that was involved. And he knew deep in his heart that in all likelihood, if Henrietta married Lewis and they headed off on a boat, a ship to take them to China, he would likely never see her again. Now, this had to be hard for Henrietta because, as I mentioned earlier, literature suggests that she was a daddy's girl. She loved her dad so much. And here he is disagreeing with her decision, disagreeing with where she felt led and called. And he even enlisted the help of his new wife to help chain Henrietta's mind. But as soon as Henrietta became convinced that this was the will of God, even her daddy that she loved so much could not change the course that she was going to take. And Henrietta faced a lot of other criticisms as well. Um, and this had to be painful for her. She was a young woman who had given her life to the Lord as a teenager. She was a very able uh, Sunday school teacher. She had a burden for the law. She had a call to missions. But because she was so young, during this time when they're discussing all of this, Henrietta was still just 17. She was accused of romanticism, seeking adventure, and immaturity. Some of that, no doubt, came from her dad. That had to be very upsetting. However, Henrietta had already searched her heart before God in prayer to make sure those were not the reasons she wanted to head to the mission field. She didn't deny that those could be reasons. She didn't just outright say, oh, no, that's not me. But she took this criticism. She brought it before the Lord in prayer. She told the Lord what people were saying about her and said, Lord, if this is in my heart, please show me. Please help me to see it. And the Lord did not convict her that those were her motives. So no doubt these accusations that came from friends and fellow church members hurt her very much, hurt her very deeply. But Henrietta was not going to be deterred once she knew that she was on a course that was the will of God. So let's talk for just a second about her, her husband, Louis. So he was attending a Baptist convention in 1835. And a request was made for offerings to go to the mission field. Now, I'm sure they were expecting money or things of value to be put in the offering plate. Lewis had written on a piece of paper, I give myself, and placed it in the offering basket. He was giving himself to missions. He was giving himself to be willing to leave behind his home his family, his country, and go to another place to spread the gospel. Now, that happened to be the same year he proposed to and married Henrietta. And they married on September 18, 1835, and she was barely 18 years old. So let's take a glimpse into what Henrietta's mindset was during this time. In a letter to one of her Christian friends, Henrietta had been discussing the trials that she knew awaited her in China. Um, 
By trials, we mean the difficulties, the challenges, the dangers, these different things that would await her. And she said to her friend, quote, If at last I should be the means of rescuing one soul from eternal woe, I should be amply compensated for all the difficulties and trials which I might have to undergo. That is an expression of a burden for the lost. You know, we were talking about that earlier. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this again, okay? Quote, If at last I should be the means of rescuing one soul from eternal woe, I should be amply compensated, meaning that one soul would be all the compensation she would need for all the difficulties and trials which I might have to undergo. She was willing to put herself in a place of danger, of difficulty, a, uh, a strange environment, to reach just one soul. Now, in a farewell letter to her Sunday school class, Henrietta wrote, quote, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. And letters to friends and siblings also indicate a deep concern for souls, a concern that was there long before Henrietta ever considered going to China with Lewis. Now, this is something else to remember. If we're considering going into the ministry or we're considering going into missions, we are not going to suddenly be different once we get that approval to go into ministry or that approval to go into the mission field. We are who we are let me restart this phrase. In the pulpit, we are still who we are the rest of the time. We are still that same person. In the mission field, we are still who we are the rest of the time. The fact that we have been granted a title by man uh, does not change who we are. Okay? If we don't have a burden for the lost at home, in our private moments, we're not going to suddenly have a burden for the lost when we get up to speak. If we don't have a concern for the lost at home, we're not suddenly going to have a concern for the lost when we end up on a missions trip or in the missions field. Henrietta already had these things in place in her heart and soul before she headed into the mission field. So we focused a lot on Henrietta's spiritual life and who she was spiritually. Let's talk about Henrietta the person. In the few pictures that there are of her, I think I only found one, maybe two. She seems to have very dark hair, very delicate features. She was described as being rather short, even for a female, and rarely weighed over 100 pounds. So in Texas speak, we would say she was a little old tiny thing. Now, on the outside, she appeared to be very frail and fragile. Now, she had a, uh, was described as having a dark complexion combined with sparkling, lively eyes and very lovely dark hair. She was said to have been as beautiful outside as she was inside and was known for being passionate, cheerful, pleasant, and big-hearted. And she also obeyed her father implicitly. Now, this could be causing some problems later on. Okay, so keep that in mind. So her father eventually accepted the fact that Henrietta was headed for the mission field, and he decided to write a letter advising her on her contact, 
conduct in the mission field. Okay, so I have always been uh, for women's rights, for uh, things like that. Reading this horrifies me to my core, but I'm going to read to you the advice that she was given. Now, to many of you, this advice may sound very familiar. It was not the way uh, that I was raised, all right, even though I was raised in church. Number one, Henrietta was to always obey her husband, never question him, never disagree with him. Henrietta's dad told her to never fuss at her husband if he was late getting home. She was not to complain when she became ill, as she had a tendency to do, according to him. Her father advised her that if she kept a clean and loving home, she would never have to worry about him coming home. And he said she needed to take care with her appearance, that a husband didn't want a slovenly, in other words, messier uh, wife. And he told her that she needed to work on her handwriting. Okay, so that's that's the crux of what he told her. There's one more thing we'll deal with in a second. This reflects very much the thought and mindset of the time. It also reflects a thought and mindset that continues in certain denominations and certain churches to this day. But this is what her advice was from her father. Last thing. Most importantly, and I do not understand why he said that she must never return to the U.S. I would think, you know, if you're that much into a wife obeying her husband, that he would have delegated the responsibility to tell her to or not to do that to her husband. But he told her, don't ever return to the U.S. And... This command, remember she uh, she implicitly obeyed her father. This command may very well be what led to her death. So after their marriage, Henrietta and Louis almost immediately departed for China. And she had one major problem on board ship. She was seasick. She wrote to her father to inform him. Now this is cute. His attempts to dissuade her from the mission field with tales of seasickness had not worked. But at the same time, his description had not done it justice. So I'm assuming she had to be very, very seasick at that time. Okay, She was sick for most of the journey. Um, one of the bright spots during their journey was a chance to visit Burma, get on solid ground for a while, see a lot of very neat things. And while in Burma... Henrietta was able to visit the grave of missionary Anne Judson, whose memoirs had greatly influenced Henrietta in her spiritual life and no doubt in her call to the mission field. So, remember that it takes several months at that time to travel from, say, the United States to China. There are several months involved. So, um, the seasickness was bad enough, but then Henrietta got pregnant and added morning sickness to the seasickness. So I bet at this time she was well below 100 pounds when they arrived. Um, they reached Singapore six months after leaving the U.S. Then they spent five months in Singapore learning Malay and then Chinese. And so it was in Singapore that Henrietta gave birth to little Louis, named after his father and grandfather. She would go on to have, I think, four children. 
So they arrived in China one year after their marriage with little Louis in tow. Now at this time, China was still extremely hesitant about allowing foreigners in. And considering the efforts at colonialism, it is no wonder that they were. And it's, uh, I want to stop here and just talk about something for a minute. Many times the missionary efforts of the 1700s and 1800s are viewed as colonialist uh, attempts, uh, colonialist influence in foreign nations. And while that might be true of some of the missionary efforts as a whole, there were many missionaries involved in those efforts for which colonialism was the furthest thing from their mind. They were not there to take over a country. They were not there to change its culture. They were not there to try to make it into a place that fit their mold. They were there to tell people about Jesus, and the good missionaries were there to help in any way that they could. And it is into that category that Henrietta Falls. So the original boat they were to take to uh, Macau refused to even allow Henrietta on board because they feared the presence of a foreign woman would attract too much attention. Well, they ended up setting up their work in Macau. So they were there for six years. At that time, Henrietta would bear two more children and she'd start a boarding school. And while her husband was off doing uh, evangelizing, she was educating and writing prolifically. Her letters would later be published, and people would discover what a truly talented writer Henrietta was. And her letters and writings um, were published as books, and no doubt encouraged a lot of people to head for the mission field and encouraged others to pray for those that were heading out. Now, as to her being such a good writer, there's a story that one evening, Lewis complained to Henrietta that he couldn't get a sermon written, so she playfully wrote one for him. And even Lewis, being, uh, I am assuming, uh, I'm assuming a man like her father that was very much into what a woman's place was, admitted she wrote a really good sermon. And it's also during this time that they began to take orphans into their home, which meant that they took them in, they fed them, they clothed them, they gave them the love and attention that a family would, and they raised them alongside their own children. So by the time they actually were able to move to Hong Kong, from Macau to Hong Kong, they had taken in several children. Now, remember all the warning or all the explanations that Lewis was giving about the trials of being a missionary? These are things that Henrietta took into account as she was praying and seeking the Lord's will. Being a pioneer missionary like the Shucks involved a very deep faith in God. And a lot of times these missionaries would work their whole life and not see the results of their work. Another missionary would come in working on what they had built up and that missionary would see the results. So um, they might never see any results in their lifetime. That's true of pioneer missionaries in general. Yet these these pioneers were so dedicated to their work, they would persevere and keep working, knowing that what they were doing had eternal value, even if it were never recognized in this plane of existence, even if it was not recognized on earth. So Henrietta and Lewis were among that group. So Henrietta was there in China, and there were a few Europeans there. And she said that the... Um, the Europeans acted worse than heathen. 
they they were worse than anything she could imagine. They seemed like the ones that you would think would come from an uncivilized country, as they would have referred to China at that time. China was obviously a very civilized country, very advanced in many areas. But she said the Europeans were the ones that were uncivilized. The Europeans were the ones that were committing horrifying sins. The Europeans were the ones that were behaving as if they'd never heard of God. Now, letters rarely came from home, so she would usually go for months without getting any letters. And that had to be very lonely for her. The The few people there that would have been able to um, maybe understand more of her culture were wicked. And she rarely got letters from home. So no doubt she struggled with loneliness, especially when her husband had to be away for extended periods of time. Now, they were finally allowed to move to Hong Kong in 1842. That made her the first European woman to live in Hong Kong. Now, I know this says European. She was born in America. I think this is kind of a way to say she was the first white woman to live in Hong Kong. So she gets to Hong Kong. She sets up another school. Lewis continues with her his missionary work. And she ended up becoming a boarding school teacher. She set up a boarding school. Fifteen students included both boys and girls. And this was a pioneering move in China to provide the same kind of education for girls as was being provided for boys. And this was something she really had to fight for. She instituted a rule that if a boy came to the school, he also had to bring a girl student. Okay. So their work together led to the founding of the first Baptist church in Hong Kong, which also led to two more churches. Um, and within just a few years, her boarding school grew to have 32 students in it. Now, uh, by the time Henrietta was 27, she had given birth to four children. They had been married 10 years, 9 to 10 years. Now, things are about to get kind of sad in this story. So Henrietta, as she was expecting her fifth child, she got very, very sick. And common sense would say that to preserve her life and that of the baby, it would have been good for her to have gone home on furlough. So, at this time, it was not as common for missionaries to go home on furlough. This was um, an unhealthy rule. We can thank uh, missionary Lottie Moon for getting that changed, for getting the attitude change, a paradigm shift in the mission societies to say, yes, we do need to send our missionaries home on furlough. They do need a break for their mental and their physical and their spiritual well-being. But Henrietta did not go home. And it's believed that she did this because her father told her never to return to the States. I suspect her dad did this more of a uh, an attempt to dissuade her from going to China than actually meaning if you go, you don't come home. I think it was a way of saying, don't you marry him and then change your mind and decide China's too hard and then come back home. Okay, I think it was more an attempt to influence her. I would like to think that he did not mean this literally, but it seems that Henrietta may have taken this literally. 
and so she wrote to him at the time i am today 27 years old fast fast growing old now we might laugh at that and say oh she's 27 she thinks he's old any type of pioneering work whether it's missions work or settling a new area is going to cause people to age faster and it seems to especially affect the women that's why you see so many of the pioneer missionaries dying at such a young age because it was such a hard stressful life but in the same letter she said i rejoice to be able to say that recently more than ever i have enjoyed the smiles of my savior i have felt so much happiness so much joy in committing all my cares into the hands of him who i know cares for me how delightful to know that god is our friend and that all things shall work together for good that is likely her last letter to her father one night not too very long after giving birth to her last child henrietta became very very ill after her health had already been rapidly going down a doctor was called around midnight but it was too late it had reached the point there was nothing that he could do for henrietta now during this time she prayed with all her heart still seeking the lord still enjoying the presence of the lord even though she was in dire straits and she quietly passed around 3 a.m and was gone from this world at the age of 27. there is a headstone for her um, that lists the major dates involved in her life it uh, talks about her being the first female missionary to china who she was the daughter of being the wife of Louis Smuck, they refer to her as the consort of Louis uh, Smuck. But Henrietta's overall message, what we see from her life, is she was very passionate about winning people to the Lord. Number two, she had a very close personal relationship with the Lord. Her relationship with the Lord was not based on what she heard other people saying. It was things that she was experiencing that she was feeling that she knew for herself for a fact she was also number three very open with her loved ones and friends about eternity and the reality of both heaven and hell and finally one of the scriptures that does appear often in her writings is seek ye the lord while he may be found and call ye upon him while he is near so that's what i wanted to share with you about missionary Henrietta Hall Shuck. Um, she's not as well known, I don't believe, outside of Baptist, especially Southern Baptist churches, but she deserves to be well known. And so, thank you for listening. I hope that you have found something encouraging or helpful in this story of uh, Henrietta's life.